Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Hi, hello, sports fans. Dave Damashek here, and uh, guess who's sitting exactly six feet away from me? Adam Carolla. And uh, we're both here to let you know your favorite Adam Carolla show segment now has its very own feed. Well, what about the injury? And I go, that's fine, but what about being a your whole life? <laughs> we know the real reason so many people tune into the Adam Carolla show. So let's give the people what they want, Ace. I've seen pictures of him in Russia with his shirt off, and he looks, he looks pretty chiseled. <laughs> Enjoy all the good sports segments together in just one place. Make sure you subscribe to Good Sports, available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast platforms. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with performance enhancing. Just, you know, being a hero, you mm-hmm. know? That's what I'd like. Anything Daddy? Ace? No. Okay. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Mansion, this is Dan Patrick. Ah, made it to the final hour on this Monday. Hope you're doing well. Dan and the Dan, that's Dan Patrick Show. If you're watching on YouTube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show, the setup is similar to Around the Horn, which would make me Tony Reale. Unfortunately, I don't have a mute button here, but Fritzy's at home, Seton's at home, McLovin's at home. Paulie is here about 15 feet away from me in the man cave. Wherever you are, hope you're safe and uh, hope we're uh, an outlet for you, a distraction. If we need be, that's what we're here for. Bobby Hurley, Arizona State head coach and a former Duke All-American. He's gotten a lot of run here in the last couple of weeks where we've been watching replays of uh, Duke tournament basketball games. And I think the greatest game that I've ever seen was Duke against Kentucky. We'll talk to Bobby Hurley uh, joining us uh, in about 15 minutes from now. So Meet Friday songs, the uh, Meet Madness, the Bracket Challenge has, is underway in full steam ahead. It's great. We've got some great songs. we got... Uh, uh, four more songs to play just today. The Memphis region, you have two weeks to vote on the opening round of Mar- March Madness, uh, our version of that with Meat Madness. We'll have the final fork, and then we'll have the uh, national champion that we hand out a Traeger Grill. That'll be coming up. Yeah, Paulie. The Elite Eight. Is that yes. Say? E-A-T. Yes. Can't wait. Thanks. Um, let's see. What's the poll question we're going with, McLovin? Final hour. Okay. I have a couple more options. Okay. Does Jameis Winston ever make another Pro Bowl? Yes or no? Okay. It's kind of a random question for a Monday, but I'm going to say yes, he does. Wow. Well, the, one of the reasons I ask is Tony Dungy's statement that Jameis and Peyton had the same careers caught fire on social media. People are really into that and wondering, wow, could Jameis turn it around? Well, you know, Peyton, I think – they had to see that this was kind of the embryonic stages of somebody who was going to be great. I don't know if teams have seen that. You know, the Colts stayed with Peyton. You know, even when he, over those first five years, he threw 100 interceptions. Uh, you know, I, I gave the numbers here uh, where they're very similar. If you look at, at Jameis over five years, first five years, and Peyton Manning over the first five years, you know, Peyton played 10 more games. Uh you know, he threw 17 more touchdowns. I'm going off memory here. Had 100 interceptions. He had a better uh, one-loss percentage by far, but he was probably on better teams there. Uh, you know, I think Jameis will get a chance as a backup. I think he's going to have a career that might be similar to Ryan Tannehill, that you're, you're there, you get a chance, you play, you play well at times, then you get kicked to the curb, you go in as a backup, you wait, you get your chance, and he got paid again. Now, I think Jameis has a chance to be better than Ryan Tannehill. 
But Ryan Tannehill, I think, has the advantage of he's been through this and he knows what his strengths and weaknesses are. And I think that's Jameis' biggest problem. Yeah, Paul. If you go back to Peyton Manning, he came in the league in 98. He wasn't an all-pro, you know, not a pro bowler, all-pro until 2003 at age 27. He led the league in passing percentage, passing yardage, and he got to 29 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And from then on, it was generally 10, 11, 12, 13 interceptions and 30-plus uh, touchdowns for the duration. Yeah, it took him a while, but then he, once he did, then that, you know, but back then, if you threw 30, 30 touchdowns, that was a great season. Now, you have to throw 30 touchdowns. The Olympic Committee is looking at pushing the Olympics back for a year. The Saints quietly added Emmanuel Sanders. So the Niners have lost DeForest Buckner and Emmanuel Sanders here. I believe Sanders has an opportunity. Maybe our Stats Inc. guy can figure this out. Maybe you know this, McLovin. Has anybody been in four consecutive Super Bowls? Because I think Emmanuel Sanders has been in the last three. And if the Saints go, that would be four in a row. I guess the Buffalo Bills would be the last ones. Uh, I'm trying to think. Andre Reed? Maybe? Andre Reed? But this is with four different teams for Emmanuel Sanders. Nobody's done that. Certainly a wide receiver, I don't think. McLovin? But he missed the year with Denver where he tore his ACL. He wasn't in that Super Bowl. That was a couple of years ago. He was on the roster? Uh, yeah, I think he was. He tore it midseason, December 5th or something. Okay. So there's one break there. Okay. Patriots have brought in Brian Hoyer, and I guess they promised Hoyer that he was going to get an opportunity to start, which so goes back to my question that I don't know if anybody could answer for me. But if Brian Hoyer is good enough to maybe start for the Patriots, why wasn't he good enough to start for the Colts? Seems like you'd save a little bit of money. And are you getting sort of the same kind of quarterback there that you are with Phillip Rivers? This in for me in Rappaport, XFL News. Houston Roughnecks quarterback P.J. Walker expected to sign with the Panthers. Uh, not surprised at that. I think all that was left was would Vince McMahon allow his players to try to seek an NFL job? And P.J. Walker played really well in the XFL and going to get a chance uh, as a backup there in uh, Carolina. Yeah, Paul. Greatest quarterback in roughneck history in my book. <laughs> I'm going with that. Okay. Uh, let me see. What else do we have here? Poll question. Uh, Trey Jones, Duke, going pro. And I think that's it. Couple of phone calls here, best and worst of the weekend. What uh, you saw that you liked, you didn't like. Jason in Florida leads us off this final hour. Hi, Jason. Hey, Dan. How are you doing today? Good, sir. Five ten one eighty. Uh, my best Australian rules football. Uh, Fox Sports aired six games this weekend. Uh, Pat McAfee was actually live tweeting uh, game Friday night between Essendon and Fremantle. Uh, it was great. I had two parlays hit. Uh, it was a great weekend. And then uh, Sunday afternoon, my worst. Uh, AFL suspended their season uh, until at least May 31st. So it was good while it lasted, I guess. All right. Well, thank you, Jason. Degenerate. Betting on Australian <laughs> rules football. This reminds me of what ESPN used to be like when I first got there. ESPN had all these sports where you go, who's watching this? But, you know, they couldn't get the rights to some of these other sports. And you had to fill 24 hours. You know, back then you had one network. You know, the strongman contest. You know, they had like, um, you know, cliff diving from Acapulco. They had, um, 
what was it, like chainsaw races or something? Like lumberjack yeah, competition. Yeah, lum- yeah, lumberjack stuff. But you had to fill up all of that time. That's why when ESPN got the Big East and they got the Big 12, maybe it was the Big 8 back then, but you got the Big East, it was so important for the network because the Big East at that time, that was must-see TV. And you, you had Patrick Ewing, you had Chris Mullen. Like you had, all, you had great teams in Syracuse, in, in uh, Villanova, uh, St. John's, uh, where else? Syracuse, Georgetown. And, you know, you, we had that great lead-in on Monday night. And you were watching great basketball, and that was, that was essential for them. And then they got baseball. You know, they started to piece things together. I think they realized how much money they were making. And, like, maybe we should spend some of this money, not on our anchors, but uh, on rights to uh, other sports. And they loaded up on all the college football and basketball they could. And that just filled in everything. Yes, McLovin. Yes, McLovin. I've read that CNNSI decided not to buy game rights. Do you remember that? And that's what eventually cost them a network? No, I don't remember that. But I, I guess it makes sense at the time because Ted Turner had TBS and he had the Braves and the Hawks. And people thought maybe he was going to have an all-sports network there on TBS. I, I, I think it worked out for Ted and, and CNN and TBS. But with what ESPN did, you know, to be able to get those rights, that was the difference. And then all of a sudden, Sports Center became popular. I think the Sports Center uh, commercials, like it, it all kind of came together back in the early 90s, and that's when it exploded. Yeah, McLovin. So, why couldn't you had so much talent in the building in CNN? Why couldn't they become ESPN with you and Gary Miller and all those superstars? Why'd you leave? I left because I wanted to do sports. And I was at CNN, we were the sports department in an all news network, and you knew where you were on the, in, you know, on the totem pole. And we weren't up very high. And I thought, you know, I can go and I can be on Sports Center, and it's they have sports 24-7. That, to me, was the natural progression. Yes, Eden. That's what's so interesting about um, the development of ESPN is that even now, you know, your local news crams the sports into, what, two minutes of the entire broadcast. So the idea of doing 24-hour-a-day sports was, was pretty revolutionary. Uh, and I get why a lot of people just didn't, see it as being possible well i remember when steve bornstein who was the president of espn he said we're going to re-air sports center in the morning so the last sports center would be at one or two in the morning and then it would replay when you wake when you would wake up so you you kept that next generation engaged you couldn't stay up till 11 or one o'clock and that morning you could watch it before you went to school and it was brilliant because it, it was okay to watch it and then watch it again if you wanted to. Yes, Eden. Well, that was exactly – I mean, you're speaking exactly about me. I wasn't able to stay up and watch TV that late, but if I stayed home from school sick or, you know, air quotes sick, yeah. I would watch sometimes at like three hours of Sports Center because it would just go over and over again. Yeah, Paul. Dan, you described my college career. We'd get home from the bars at, you know, 1 o'clock at night, and you'd be on from your 11 o'clock Sports Center. It'd be rare, and we watch it. We'd see it at the bar, and then we go and get to sit and watch it. And then we watch it again at 2 in the morning. And then you get up, and I knew, like, oh, 2.45, they're going to show that Cub highlight. And I wanted to watch the entire Cub highlight. I always thought the genius of SportsCenter with college basketball is when you guys would have a good game. Let's say it was uh, Georgetown versus Syracuse. It's a great game, really nice, you know, uh, whoever, Billy Owens or whoever was there. The minute that game was over, whoever was the play-by-play man would throw it to you guys, and you guys would react to the game. You'd be like, 
wow, what a night at the Carrier Dome, blah, blah, blah. We're going to get to that. And, blah, and you, it was seamless. Yeah. And your energy fed right from the game to you guys doing Sports Center. Yeah, they and we stumbled upon a lot of this, but there were some very brilliant people there who had an idea of who we were and what we could be at Sports Center. But it all kind of came together you know, when you had the SBs, you had the ESPN commercials, uh, doing Sports Center with Keith Oberman. You know, we, we became pseudo-celebrities back then. And uh, all of a sudden, I remember um, somebody saying, you know how much you guys make on SportsCenter? I go, what do you mean? Like, how much SportsCenter makes? And I go, I, I have no idea. And, I said, <laughs> and he goes, he's the guy who write, writes for the media. He goes, do you want to know? And I go, do I? And he goes, you don't want to know. He said, Sports Center made four hundred million dollars one year, and I went, "Wait a minute, what? Wait, wait, what?" And we were—they were nickel and dime us, you know, when we're going in for negotiations, and uh, they were trying to keep us all, you know, under their thumb there. And I went, "God, four hundred million dollars on just Sports Center," because everybody wanted to have, you know, they wanted to be on Countdown or Game Day. Or they wanted to do uh, remote stuff with college football. And I realized one day I woke up and I was like, where did everybody go that used to do Sports Center? They all they all have their own specialty shows. I was the last one standing there from the original group. Because we had Tariko Berman, Bob Lee, Chris Fowler, Chris Myers, Keith Oberman, uh, Linda Cohn, Steve Levy, uh, Reese Davis, Rich Eisen, Stuart Scott, like everybody wanted to do a specialty show. Nobody wanted to do Sports Center because you had to do five nights. And these guys realized I didn't. Hey, why don't I just gear up for one big day, you know, or one big show or something? I'm like, I'll do Sports Center 250 days out of the year, work second shift. Oh, man. Quite an experience, though. Quite an experience. Uh, let me see. How about Sean in Arizona? Hi, Sean. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. How you doing today? Good, sir. Good. Uh, 510-190, COVID-3. I've got uh, two bests of the weekend, one from Friday, one from yesterday. Okay. Uh, my Friday one would be uh, watched again back-to-back, the uh, 30 for 30s on Hank Gathers and Len Bias Friday night, yeah, which are much. really good, and I'm wondering – Pretty depressing. Uh, do you have an opinion of one or both what they could have been going forward? Well, Len Bias, uh, Len, Len Bias had the talent to be a Hall of Famer. You know, Hank, um, Hank was a good player. The team was a novelty, but that that was one of the more exciting teams that I was ever around. Uh, Len Bias, to me, was probably going to be a Hall of Famer. I, I thought that if you had a healthy Len Bias with Reggie Lewis and you had Bird, McHale, and Parrish sort of in their twilight and you're handing off the baton, Celtics, Celtics would have probably pieced together a few more championships there, but yeah, Lenny was, Lenny was as good a player as you've seen out of the ACC in history, and that's encompassing a lot of people. And I, I love Hank, you know, and I, I grew to be friendly with uh, Bo Kimball, his teammate, and uh, yep, that was fun. That was fun basketball. That, that's where you go. Somebody is a mad scientist here, and his name is Paul Westhead, because he'll give you two. He wants three. And all he wanted to do was run you. Just keep running. We'll give you two. We're taking three. Uh, Gary in Indiana is back. Hi, Gary. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, 
8, a very soft 172. I think you got uh, Todd set up there. Uh, sorry, Gary. Oh. Yeah. Todd, you okay? I'm fine. You don't have to lean in. Remember, we you talked about a, this. We did. You were just taking a shot just now. No, not a shot. I'm trying to help you. No, but I'm saying my, the, everything's, uh, everything's cool. Yeah, now. We're, we're, kids, we're, uh, we're, we're working this out in real time. Where We are. The one thing I told you about the microphone was what? Not to lean in. It's exactly. It's a normal voice. It'll pick it up. That's all. about a fifth space between my mouth and the microphone. Yeah, so it's not a dig. I just, I, I'm. No, not, no. I just, uh, I'm just reminding you. I just to make sure I wasn't distracted. Thankfully, I've got everybody locked in upstairs, the family. So right. I just want to make sure you're okay, Tom. That's all. I am good. All right. Do you want to come in tomorrow, maybe? So we could. <laughs> so how about I go to your house? All right. So I got the Memphis region, a couple more Meet Friday songs. I got the 3 6 matchup here. This is Sarah and Jason in Ohio. Well, I just bought a new trade bring. It seems my meal. I've drawn a change I threw out the gas And charcoal stuff See Dan and the boys Gather around their place With mouths wide open Wood fires revive Pretty good there. Welcome to That's a three seed. Man, the Memphis region is stacked. Really, should have broken out our lighters on that. Oh, one. I know. Uh, here is Glenn in Michigan, a sixth seed. He's a sixth seed. Uh, little Louis Armstrong there. That is really well done. Even got Mesquite in there, which is yes. like a rare one. Yeah, so we'll uh, play uh, Scott in Tennessee and Derek in Oregon coming up a little bit, that 2-7 uh, matchup. More phone calls on the way. We'll take a break. And uh, Bobby Hurley will join us. I want to know if Bobby was watching the Duke-Kentucky game. Like, do you sit down and I'll sit down and watch my movies. You know, if a Sandler movie is on and I'm in it, like I'll watch up until the point when I'm not in it, and then I go on and do something else. I wonder if Hurley all of a sudden goes, or maybe somebody in his household or his brother says, hey, you're on TV on CBS, and then you tune in to watch it. So we'll talk to him, the Arizona head coach, Arizona state head coach. one is coming up. 20 after the hour, this meet Friday or Monday or whatever it is, Dan Patrick show. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. 
It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. Everyone knows that finding qualified candidates when you're hiring is a very difficult job. But I'll tell you right now, ZipRecruiter makes it a lot easier. Let's talk about Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you too can sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Dan Patrick. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dan Patrick. With results like that, it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter is definitely the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Dan Patrick. Again, if you want to hire smart, qualified people, you have to go to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-N-P-A-T-R-I-C-K. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dan Patrick. You realize it was uh, two weeks ago today where we were talking about the first sporting event that was canceled. And, and I, I briefly mentioned it, the Indian Wells tennis tournament. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. But I didn't know it was going to reach, you know, pandemic proportions here. And then all of a sudden, the Ivy League decided that they had a four-team playoff, conference playoff, and they decided they weren't going to play basketball. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, they, they have nothing to lose. They have nothing to risk. It's not a moneymaker for the Ivy League. And I was like, okay, let's see. Let's just see if it starts to grow. And then all of a sudden, it went crazy. And then it was a week ago today where we came in and we're talking about Tom Brady's the Buccaneer. Last week, Sean Payton tested positive. He's in quarantine. DeAndre Hopkins got traded to the Cardinals. Kevin Durant tested positive. Cam Newton, Jameis Winston lost their starting roles and uh, looking for new teams. Phillip Rivers became a Colt. Nick Foles, a Chicago Bear. The Niners, they traded DeForest Buckner to the Colts. Uh, Stephon Diggs became a Buffalo Bill. Teddy Bridgewater, a Panther. Todd Gurley, a Falcon. Amari Cooper re-signs with the Cowboys. That's all in the span of a week. How crazy. And I remember people saying, well, what are you going to talk about? My friends were saying, what are you going to talk about? I said, there's a lot to talk about. Whether it's something happening now or maybe something that happened back in 1992 when Kentucky played Duke in, I think, the greatest basketball game I've ever seen. And one of the stars of that team is the head coach at Arizona State, Bobby Hurley. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning, Dan. How are you, man? I'm doing okay. Did you watch the re-air? of Duke and Kentucky this past weekend? Uh, I did. I couldn't resist. <laughs> what did you, time on my hands now. What did you notice that you didn't notice before having played in that game? Just, uh, you know, a greater appreciation for, I think, all the shot making, especially late in the game, uh, all the big plays. Um, in this day and age with the game of basketball and even how much I – like my guys to go off the dribble, guys like Remy Martin, Alonzo Verge, that I coach that have a tremendous ability to create offense off the dribble. Just the all the passing in the game, it was, uh, the ball movement uh, was was pretty incredible. And then uh, it reminded me that I, that I was pretty good in, in the open court, <laughs> man. Uh, so it felt good. But I, I threw too many bad passes. You know, I had some I had some awful turnovers in that game too. 
Well, you hit a big shot. I think the second biggest shot in that game, obviously Leitner's shot to win it, but you miss a three, rebound, back to you, top of the key, nail the three. I thought that was the second biggest shot uh, by by uh, Duke in that game. How Did you feel like that was a big, big moment there? I think, you know, the timing of it was certainly, but – um, I, I was, you know, I was empowered, you know, by Coach K. He just always gave us a lot of freedom. He trusted us, you know. He instilled confidence. Uh, so even after a miss, there, there was no hesitation. I had, uh, I had made a few big shots in, in my career, so it was, uh, it was something that, you know, I felt like, you know, it was my time to contribute. And I think that was the beauty of that team. We had so many guys that could make plays that would step up you know, in, in big moments. And, and even Coach K taught, hey, if, if we get a long offensive rebound, let's look out to the three-point line because we got guys that can make shots. Were you disappointed at all leaving the huddle that you weren't going to be part of that final play where Grant throws the ball to Christian? Look, I, I sat with my family, with my wife Leslie and, and my daughters and my son, and we, we really never watched that game together. And, uh, you know, I, I was so mad at myself for, for missing my pull-up jump shots and regulation, and uh, but it did help uh, make the make that game even more special. So that's how I look at it. So I had my chance, and I didn't cash in. So it was someone else's turn. Yeah, but the, you know, nobody guarded Grant Hill on the baseline. Like I'm still yelling out, nobody. Like the game, of course, is you know decades old, and I'm going. Nobody's guarding Grant Hill. Nobody, no, nobody fronted Leitner, and nobody guarded Grant. Yeah, I think some of it is, is a feel thing, and, and even I do it as a coach. I don't have a set guideline for how to handle that situation. I think it, it's more on the personnel. and uh, you know, but, but it's it's tough when you have a guy that's made every shot in the game and he's made you know, all his free throws. And you know, your first instinct as a coach is why I don't fault like Rick Pitino. is like don't foul him because the, the likelihood of getting a high-percentage shot with that amount of time is very low. So you can understand why that – Maybe they didn't do a better job of, of not letting Christian catch it. Yeah, I, I was just curious that if, as a coach, would you have, if you had one option that you had to pick, you'd either front Christian or you could uh, guard the baseline with Grant Hill's throw. What would you? Do? I, I'm, I mean, I most likely in that situation would would have a guy on the basketball, but my my best jumper, guy with the most length, to try and even make it a worse pass and a less accurate pass. Um, with that amount of time. But, I, again, that's that's up to, to every individual. I, I've been burned that way as a coach back at Buffalo in, in a very similar situation. You know, my best player went for a steal uh, at the opposite foul line and didn't get it, and, and the player from the uh, Ohio University you know, went in and dunked it at the buzzer. So I've had both ends of it. We're talking to Bobby Hurley, Arizona State head basketball coach, and they would have gone to the NCAA tournament. That would have been for the third straight year. Arizona State had not done that since the early 60s, so about 55 years. Weren't you the most outstanding player of that Final Four that we're talking about? Yeah, Dan, I had broke my foot like in the middle of that season, so I missed like three weeks, and I was just starting to, to get back to, to where I was prior to the injury, and um, after Christian going 10 for 10 from the field, 10 for 10 from the line, getting 30. You know, Bobby Knight was a pretty good coach, so he wasn't going to let Christian beat him in, in that national semifinal. I probably had, you know, my best game of the season against Indiana in that Final Four. And then, you know, we went on, and, you know, Grant was outstanding, Grant Hill in the, in the Michigan game, Thomas Hill and uh, Tony Lang. So we got, like, 
you know, a lot of our, our other guys are, you know, that's why we're such a good team, really stepped up in that final four to help, you know, when Christian wasn't at his best. Was Leitner upset that you got the uh, most outstanding player? I don't think so. He's, he had enough awards, uh, Dan. I'm pretty sure he's he, He's pretty competitive, he though, Bobby. He's just pretty, pretty filled. <laughs> he's he's pretty, pretty competitive, though, Bobby. Yeah, but he was a winner, man. He just wanted to win, man. He just really – it wasn't for him about the numbers and, and accolades. I mean, I'm sure he appreciated that stuff. And, but but it, was, it was more about winning. I, I'm fa- still fascinated when I, I watch I Hate Christian Leitner. Like, like I, every year. It just feels like, you know, hey, March Madness is starting. Uh, when's the I Hate Christian Leitner document 30 for 30 coming on? What did you think of yeah. that? Well, yeah, I mean, Christian was, was very, you know, polarizing and, and uh, you know, especially uh, opposing crowds. He, he would be a, a magnet for, uh, you know, their venom. Uh, and so it was, I think he enjoyed that role to, to, to a large degree. He talked about the feeling of, of sending everyone home that just yelled at him for about two hours. Uh, he, he enjoyed those last few minutes of, of those uh, situations. When's the last time you talked to Coach K? Uh, a while back. You know, we, we, we kind of via text more than anything, you know, dur- during the season. We're both super busy, you know, with everything. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while on the phone. But, yeah, certainly we keep up uh, with some texts. What do you do since you can't get out of the house as a coach? Well, I mean, it was tough that that last day, and, and so much was unknown about the virus and the impact that it's having. So it's completely understandable, understandable why the Pac-12 tournament was canceled. The day we were supposed to play, we were there in Vegas, ready to play, and just being having to go into that room and tell our team that the season's over and all they worked for it was going to be no NCAA tournament. And, you know, like you touched on, it would have been the first time since 1960. A guy like Remy Martin, who's one of the best players in the Pac-12, you know, didn't get a chance to, to play in the Pac-12 tournament or the NCAA tournament. Uh, you have our seniors, you know, Rob Edwards, Mickey Mitchell, that, you know, their careers were over. And so it was, it was a tough day. And, and then you just move on. It's, uh, you know, you, you, you stay in touch with the guys, make sure they're well. Like we, you know, we have a meeting today with, with all the parents on the phone on a on a conference call just to make sure they they have all the information that, that we could provide for them uh, as we go through this you know difficult time for the country. So trying to take care of ourselves, take care of our players, and you know and focus on you know getting through this. You got a basketball hoop at the house? I don't. There's a little park down down the way that you know my son has been going to. I haven't been able to even you know get myself build myself up to go into a, to a court, but. We plan on, on getting out to the to the outdoor court again, uh, my son and I this week. When's the last time you played a pickup game? I played in at the Final Four last year. It was it was a it was like a celebrity game, uh, and, and I think my coach was Shaq. Shaq was my coach, <laughs> and, uh, and and Magic was the other coach. So it was pretty cool, you know. Um, I, I didn't do very much. I just uh, tried to keep it real basic. Um, I just my game is, is it's deteriorating by the moment. <laughs> Who did you pattern your game after? I mean, I loved Isaiah Thomas. I I, I thought I could. You know, I, I tried to use my imagination dribbling the basketball, and you know, in my neighborhood, I'd I'd be dribbling to the to the park every day. And my neighbors talked about they were so happy when when I went to Duke because they didn't have to hear 
you know, the ball bouncing up and down the street all the time. So I really got a joy out of, out of dribbling the ball and, and being creative off the dribble. Yeah, good stuff. Well, hope you're doing okay there. Sorry about the uh, the tournament. Another great year for you with uh, 20 wins. But uh, thanks for checking in with us, Bobby. Appreciate you, Dan, and, and stay safe and healthy, everyone out there. Thank Bobby you. Hurley, Arizona State head basketball coach. Won two championships at uh, Duke, 91 and 92. He doesn't say too much about Christian Leitner. I think that he just sort of, you know, they, they survived each other. Because Christian was really, really tough on Bobby Hurley. Really tough. To the point where, you know, you can have a big brother, little brother. But uh, probably no love loss there with Bobby, with even looking back on that. Because Christian might not have made it enjoyable playing with him. I mean, great player. But, you know, if you watch that documentary, you're Bobby Hurley. You know, probably tough to even all these years where you're going, oh, i got to say something nice about Christian. Yeah, Paul. Hurley was a fascinating player, though, because he took a lot of heat, and he gave it back to people. He was like, you know, he wasn't a pushover in any way, but you'd watch those Duke highlights, you're like, this guy's six foot, 170-ish. Yeah. He's not muscular at all. He can't jump, obviously, but he was eating people up. Yeah. I remember he would go against Kenny Anderson of Georgia Tech. You're like, he's, he's right there. I mean, he was a tough kid. Well, he grew up in Jersey City, and he was used to playing on the playgrounds. You know, Jersey City back then was a really tough place, and his dad was a legendary high school coach, but... You know, Bobby and Danny Hurley, you know, they weren't afraid of anybody. They might not have been as talented, but they weren't afraid of anybody. And uh, you certainly saw that. Uh, did you get an answer for me with Emmanuel Sanders there, McLevin? Yeah, he did not get three years in a row on three teams. There are a bunch of play- No one's ever done that. There are a bunch of players who have been in three Super Bowls with three different teams, but never consecutively. Okay. So he's, he played with the Steelers, he played with the Broncos, played with the Niners, those three Super Bowls. And then if he gets to a Super Bowl with the Saints, he'd be the first to ever do it with four different teams. I think so. I'm okay. going to have stats. Uh, some of the players, by the way, Bill Romanow, Romanowski, Preston, uh, Preston Pearson. Pearson, Barry, uh, let's see, Harry Swain. I don't know these guys. Rod Woodson, too. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll take a break. Last call for phone calls, best and worst of the weekend, what you saw that you liked, you didn't like. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, and we're going to play the final Meet Friday songs, uh, a two versus seven matchup, we have a cartoon. You know, it's called, uh, are we calling it Danimation? And it's a cartoon from the show, and it's, uh, you know, could be an old, you know, a clip from the show, or it could be something recent. You know, we had Charles Barkley when he was talking about NSYNC and Joey Fatone and Lance Bass with uh, Draymond Green. <laughs> we have McLovin breaking his glasses. Oh, We're going to show that in the uh, live look in Danimation. That'll be coming up. Uh, we'll take a break. Last call for phone calls. Back after this. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com. 
clicking on the support this podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course, supporting. And now back to the show. We just had Bobby Hurley on, the former Duke All-American. He won 18 of 20 games in the NCAA tournament playing for Duke. Won the national title in 91-92. More career minutes than anybody in the history of the tournament and more assists than anybody in the history of the tournament. He ranks in the top 10 in several categories. Uh, Games, wins, minutes, assists, three-pointers, and steals. So those two losses, his freshman year, the national title game against UNLV, that was Greg Anthony, Stacey Ogman, Larry Johnson, Anderson Hunt, and then... uh, his senior year, second round against Cal, that was Jason Kidd and Lamont Murray. But those are the only two losses for uh, Bobby Hurley. All right, I got uh, two more Meat Friday songs. This is the matchup in the Memphis region. This is the two versus seven. Here is Scott, the number two seed in Tennessee, with his version of Lizzo. Cooking all the recipes. Put some sauce on that, like Casey Masterpiece. Let's cut and roll. Cause everybody knows that Friday's made for me. It ain't my fault that the dinner's getting loose. Gonna add to my caboose. Cause the plate is on the tooth. That's uh, Scott in Tennessee with his takeoff on Lizzo. Here's Derek in Oregon, the number seven seed with Old Town Road. DP Show. Yeah, I'm gonna fire up the trigger for the DP show. I'm gonna <laughs> grill till I can't no more. I got the whoop up on the tap. Polly's history facts. Seaton's got the tats. Mario should have passed. <laughs> you came with that tofu. I don't want no hope. Let's come with the T bones. I'll wow. kick you out of my hood. Oh, won't you grill me something? Please grill me something. Chad, won't you grill me something? So that's Derek in Oregon, Old Town Road. And you can go to the website. We've got the brackets up there. And you got two weeks to vote on these songs in the uh, in the uh, first round. A couple more phone calls here. By the way, I was going through the attic. I was sitting around yesterday. And then my wife goes, uh, do you want to uh, clean the attic? And I go, no. And she goes, well, you may not want to, but you should. So all the stuff I have here, I still have a ton of stuff at my house. So I go up there to the attic, and I'm going through stuff, and I find all kinds of stuff. And then I see this blue envelope, and it says the SB, and then it says men's pro basketball. Now, I was a presenter back then, I believe, with Bill Murray. And so the thing was still attached to the back part of the sticker. And I opened it up, and it goes, the, and the SP goes to Michael Jordan. So I, for some reason, I, I took the, the uh, envelope home with me with uh, Michael Jordan as the winner. So I, it might, 
My wife always goes, "You, why do you keep all this stuff? I said, for moments like this. This is why. I don't think Jordan is going to want this. Oh, let's try to, let's send it to him. Uh, he's got everything. Yeah, well, he's going to have to give something to me. If he wants it, he has to come and get it. Fritzy, call for Michael Jordan and ask him if he wants the envelope from when he won the ESPY. I'm on the case. Thank you, Todd. Uh, let me see. Uh, Shauna in Wisconsin. Hey, Shauna. Hi, Dan. Hi, Shauna. I'm calling. I'm calling in on behalf of our new little boy, proud parents here with Austin Corbin James from Wisconsin, coming in at eight pounds three ounces, twenty inches long. Well, congratulations, Shauna. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. He'd like to give his best and worst of the weekend. Okay. Um, he was really looking forward to watching DP today after nine months of just listening <laughs> to Frisky's bad jokes. And worst of the weekend, not being able to watch Bucks basketball with Mommy and Daddy. All right. Well, tell Dad congratulations as well, Shauna. Thank you for the phone call. Uh, Steve in Oregon. Hey, Steve. Hey, Dan. Six foot, 195. There we go. And waiting years to hear that. Uh, worst of the weekend, the, the passing of Kenny Rogers. Got to see him in concert at the Memorial Coliseum 30-plus years ago. Yeah. And uh, the best of the weekend for me is after 34 and a half years, I am retiring from the Postal Service as a letter carrier. Oh, well, congratulations, Steve. Seton O'Connor certainly understands. How long were you a um, mailman, Seton? Uh, Two years, maybe. Okay. Not very long. All right. Yeah. Uh, this day in sports history, Paul. This is a good one, Dan. Here's the headline. Uh, on 1972, Evil Knievel, remember Evil Knievel with the motorcycles? Evil Knievel broke 93 bones after successfully jumping 35 cars. How many bones do you have? Wait, if it's a success, how do you break 93 bones? <laughs> if it was a failure, what would have been? How many bones? He would have died. Yeah. 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 So I, how many bones do you have? He broke like a third of them. Anything else? That's it. That's too good. All right. Uh, let's go around the room. Well, yeah, Seaton. Are you guys feeling pressure? Sort of like it goes back to you cleaning out the uh, your attic. But are you feeling pressure to be uh, especially productive during these times where you're sort of stuck at home? Because my neighbor's yard looks like a million bucks because yeah. all they've been doing <laughs> is raking their leaves and stuff. And I've been sitting in watching movies. And I'm starting to feel that pressure in the house of, like, maybe I should be doing more. Oh, my wife wants to do beehives. Like, it's just, it's out of hand. Well, what does that mean? She wants to get bees and have honey. And I said, you already got it right here, baby. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, I, "You know, I want bees," and I, I said, "No, no, no, no. Something will go horribly wrong." Yeah, Paul. My wife's the opposite. She goes, "Ooh, diehards on. Can you get me a beer?" I'm like, "You're the best. I'll marry you again." <laughs> uh, so I guess it was a success. The home studio. Did you, Todd, in his in his office. I had a tough first hour, but I think I rallied a little bit. You did. You did. You got it. You know, the microphone works better when you turn it on. It really does. And don't lean into it. You sound great. Seton, Seton, uh, in his music room, looks great. I think it worked out. And um, kids behaved in McLovin's house. So far, there's two minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> no. I think we're good. Let's try it again tomorrow. I think, I think we'll do this around the horn thing. Uh, Princey, what'd you learn today? Tony Dungy did not look forward to seeing Earl Campbell come through the line and head his way. Seton O'Connor, what did you learn today? We have to be very conscious of our mute buttons. <laughs> That's 
We, we should be. At least Todd should be in McLovin. McLovin, what did you learn? Uh, the animation of me breaking my glasses is amazing. Do you see my vertical in that, Dan? I know. <laughs> Great hops there. Paulie, what did you learn on today's award-winning program? Mark Cuban has said his house he's been in for 20 years is still not furnished, quote, like normal people houses. Todd, what did I learn today? Bobby Hurley watched the replay of the Elite Eight win over Kentucky with the whole family for the first time ever this weekend. What we learned brought to you by LegalZoom. It's important to know the benefits of setting up your business the right way. Good thing LegalZoom can help. Their network of independent attorneys can answer questions and provide legal advice. To learn more, go to LegalZoom.com. My thanks to all the great people behind the scenes who made this show possible today. Talk to you tomorrow. Podcast One has some exciting news. It's official. Our shows are now available on Spotify. And it's free. We want to make it super easy for you and your friends to listen to our podcasts. And joining Spotify allows us to be in even more places for fans to find us. If you're already listening to music on Spotify, you can now listen to our podcasts in the same place. If you're not on Spotify yet, all you have to do is download the free app. That's right. No credit card necessary. And simply search for our shows to start listening.